Ah, good morning. Welcome to the Oasis. We are glad that you are here. Before the message this morning, a couple of things I wanted to share. Next Sunday will be our fourth anniversary in this building. We uh, moved in the second Sunday of February. And uh, our church anniversary is the first Sunday of April. We'll be celebrating 13 years as a church. And by the way, when we started this church, God led me to name it the Oasis because I wanted it to be a place of spiritual, emotional, and physical rest and refreshment. And I think that we're going to even see that this morning in the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at in just a few moments. Also, a reminder to all of you who have teenagers, parents of youth, whatever, that two weekends from this weekend is our youth retreat. Please make sure that your teens sign up to go on the youth retreat this year. I think they will greatly enjoy that. And then I wanted to throw this out to you. We will not be taking sign-ups until the month of March, but I wanted to just sort of have a save the date, put it on your radar type of thing, that on Saturday, April the 15th, we will have another baptism, okay? If you would like to be baptized, uh, we certainly would be honored to baptize you. Last year, I think we had uh, 30 that were baptized that day, and we had about 100 people at Toby and Marsh's house there for the baptism. It was a wonderful time, and we're going to do that again on Saturday, April the 15th. So be thinking about that, be praying about that. If you want to follow along this morning, we are doing a series called The Story of Jesus, Following the Gospel of Luke. And so if you'd like to follow along this morning, we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, beginning at verse 22. And while you find that, go ahead and also find John's Gospel, chapter 10, because I'm going to be referring to that right at the beginning of the message. Luke, chapter 12, beginning at verse 22 and John chapter 10. Jesus is in the midst of, obviously, calling people to be disciples. Not just to believe in him, but to follow him. And so he's in the midst of this section of the Gospel of Luke where he's teaching them, training them, and here in this section, Jesus gives us the cure for anxiety. How relevant is that? We live in a world of anxiety today. We live in a world of people who are gripped with fear, paralyzed by fear, struggle with anxiety, struggle with worry, uh, constantly feeling pulled apart and all you know, tied up in knots, uh, people who suffer from panic attacks. Uh, as I shared last week, uh, we have more people in the world on anti-anxiety medication than ever before. It's at an all-time high. And this message is deeply personal for me because as many of you know, I struggled with an anxious heart for many, many years. And yet, I want to stand here this morning, hopefully, as a great inspiration to those of you that might still be on your journey 
uh, with anxiety or overcoming it because I stand before you today as one that God totally delivered from that. One that God totally healed from that. And I say that to all of you and those of you who are watching live stream, hopefully as an encouragement that the God who healed me is also the God that can heal you. The God that delivered me from anxiety and worry and care is the God that can deliver you from that as well. And maybe this message isn't even for you. Maybe this message, God has you here because you have a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, someone that really is struggling in the area of worry and anxiety and panic attacks and all of that. And maybe down the road, when God gives you an opportunity, you can share some of the things we talk about today with them as well. So obviously, as God always does, he works on many different levels at the same time. But I want to start out this morning by having you look at Luke chapter 12, and I want you to look at three parts of that passage with me. First, in verse 22, where Jesus says to his disciples, which, by the way, that word also means learners, someone who has a teachable spirit, someone who is being receptive to what Jesus is saying here. That's very important. Jesus says in verse 22 to his disciples, do not worry. You see that same phrase in verse 29. Do not worry. Do not live as if your life is suspended in midair, as if there is no one or nothing supporting you, stabilizing you, securing you underneath of you. That's what the word worry means here. Do not worry. And then in verse 32, notice he says, do not fear. Do not live in fear or the fear that is founded upon insecurity. That's what drives people's fear, is their lack of security. They don't feel secure. There's nothing that they are anchored to or tied to. And, and you and I who have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ knows that our ultimate security is in him. In fact, he's the only true security. He's the only one we can always and totally count on because everything else around us in this world is constantly changing, you see. There is no instability or stability in the things of this world, but there is stability in God. And when we begin to anchor our life and secure our life in him totally, completely, things can begin to change and our outlook and our perspective can begin to change. Now, the reason I wanted to start there with those, those three phrases, do not worry, do not worry, do not be afraid, is because we also have to come to terms with the fact that Jesus never is going to ask us to do something and here really command us to do something unless we can do it. He will never ask of us to do something unless 
he is willing to enable us to do it. I say that because some of you may be here, some of you may be watching today and you just go, that's just the way it's going to be, that's just the way I am, I've lost all hope in being able to overcome this or deal with this, this is just my life, I'm always going to be a worrier. And listen, let me also say this, it's not like you and I as human beings can go through the rest of our lives and never have a moment of fear or, or a a day where we're anxious about something or something's got a hold of us a little bit, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. That's just being human, and we're never going to do it perfectly. Jesus here is talking about that debilitating worry, that, that draining worry that, that, that grips us and that literally consumes our life and that we deal with every day of our lives and that we can't live our life the way we could or the way we should because it, it literally defines us. That's the kind of worry and anxiety and stress and all of that that Jesus is talking about. So I say all that to say Jesus is not going to ask of us something that we cannot do. I hope you believe that. If he's saying to all of us, don't worry, then that means that we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to live with panic attacks and all of those things. If Jesus is telling us not to do it, then it's possible not to do it. For with God, all things are possible. Okay? Then I want us to direct our attention to a phrase he uses at the end of verse 28 of Luke chapter 12. He says, here's the problem. Here's the root issue. Here's where it all begins and ends. Whether we like it or not, according to Jesus, and if you don't like what Jesus has to say, take it up with him. I'm just a messenger. Jesus says the problem with our worry, our anxiety, and all of that is faith. He says, O ye of little faith. You are a people of little faith. What's Jesus saying? He's saying that worry, fear, anxiety, all can be traced back to a faith issue. It is a lack of trust and confidence because we are not listening to the voice of God. Now, the reason we don't like that is because maybe we don't want to face the fact that it's really a spiritual issue between us and God. But I will tell you from personal experience, until I looked myself in the mirror, even as a pastor, as a Christian for a long time, and said, I cannot slough this responsibility for what I'm dealing with off on something that I can't control, something that I can't be responsible for, I can't 
point the finger at anything or anyone else but me. This is Jeff's issue, and it is an issue that is rooted somewhere, somehow, in my lack of trust and confidence in my God because I'm not listening to his voice the way I should be. I'm listening to maybe my own voices in my head, which can I tell you, and those of you that struggle with anxiety and worry and care and all of that, you understand what I'm talking about. Our self-talk sometimes is the major thing we battle with because we're telling ourselves things all the time in our head that aren't true, that aren't of faith, they are grounded in fear, And so a lot of times it's ourselves. Other times it's we're listening to other people's voices more than we're dialed in and listening to the voice of God. And Jesus here is saying to his own disciples, I'm telling you folks that if you're ever going to overcome worry and anxiety and fear in your life, you have to first start with admitting it's a faith issue. If you never get to that point, then your total healing, your your total deliverance of this will never come about. Because Jesus is telling us, the reason I can heal you and deliver you from this is because when you admit what it really is, then I can come into your life when you choose to listen to my voice and I can begin either to instantaneously deliver you from that and heal you from that, or I can begin the process. And that's totally up to God. Sometimes God has, I've seen, just instantaneously delivered or healed somebody of something, physical, emotional, or spiritual. I've also seen him take a process where it takes time to do it. Either way, it is God who is doing it, right? And so I want to say to all of you today and those of you who are watching, I truly believe that some of you here today could be instantaneously delivered and healed from your anxiety today. You could walk out of here a different person. I also believe that some of you could begin that journey today or even continue that journey of healing and deliverance in your life if you and I listen to the voice of God. That's why I wanted you to go ahead and go over to John chapter 10 for a moment. The reason I wanted you to go there is because, again, if faith or lack of it or little of it is a lack of trust and confidence because we're not listening to the voice of God, I want to remind us what Jesus teaches us in John chapter 10. And he uses the shepherd sheep metaphor. And if you'll notice in verse 3, in verse 4, And in verse 27, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, verse 3. They recognize my voice as their shepherd, verse 4. And they listen to my voice as my sheep, verse 27. Hear, recognize, and listen. That's what God's sheep should do. We should first know that it's God's voice. And second of all, that we should hear it, we should recognize it, and we should listen to it and follow it. One of the things that makes this powerful and why Jesus uses the illustration of the sheep and the shepherd and the sheepfold is because if you've ever done any kind of study or research on this, in in ancient times, especially when Jesus was here, 
Shepherds would gather their sheep together at night to house them all in the sheepfold. So it was very possible, let's say for the sake of illustration, for 10 shepherds to come together with hundreds and hundreds of their sheep and come together and put them all in the sheepfold that night to protect them and to watch over them, and they were all in the same place. But obviously, these sheep all belong to different shepherds. But as they followed their individual shepherd over the weeks and months and years, these sheep recognized and dialed into the voice of their shepherd so that in the morning, when they opened the pen of the sheepfold, it wasn't chaos. Those sheep knew the nuances, if you will, of their own shepherd's voice. And if you ever see, have seen videos of this, it's fascinating. All the sheep come out of that pen at one time, but then they all start to split off and go to their individual shepherd who's standing at a different spot. Because they know the voice of their shepherd. They know the tone of their shepherd's voice. They, they know the little, you know, differences in their shepherd. And they literally follow then all the way over to their shepherd so that all the sheep separate out into their individual shepherds. Jesus is saying, my sheep should know my voice. They should not only be able to recognize it, but dial into it and obviously be able to listen to my voice above all other voices, including the voice in their own head. Because it's only when we are dialed in as sheep to the voice of our shepherd Jesus and we're listening to his voice above all other voices and we know his voice can this journey of healing and deliverance over anxiety begin. That's where it starts, okay? But obviously, if you go back to Luke chapter 12, it also continues in, it's not just a matter of hearing and knowing that this is Jesus speaking to me as my shepherd. It is trusting in and having confidence in his voice and what he's telling me, just like today. If Jesus is telling me not to worry, then me, Jeff, I had to come to grips with the fact, well, if Jesus is telling me that I don't have to worry, then that means I don't have to worry. But I had to come to a point where I truly believed that, that I believe that if Jesus is telling me I don't have to live that way, then that means I don't have to live that way. I can trust the voice and have total confidence in the voice of my shepherd. But then I want you to go back up to verse 22, and let's begin going down through this passage. The Bible says, Then Jesus spoke to his disciples and said to them, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not your life more than food? Is not your body more than the clothes that you wear? couple things. First of all, Jesus is saying, I know your basic needs. And he'll come to that in just a moment. But he's basically saying, don't worry about what you need. I'm your shepherd. If you have trust and confidence in me, then your basic needs will be taken care of. I will watch over you. Now, obviously, we're responsible 
But God is saying, ultimately, I'm the one that's going to be taking care of you. Do you trust me as your shepherd like those sheep trust their shepherd? You see, that's why Psalm 23 is such a powerful psalm. Do we believe that our shepherd is great and good and will lead us to green pastures and to, to still waters and, and that he will restore our soul? We have to have not only uh, the ability to be able to hear the voice of our shepherd, but be able to trust and have confidence. But the other thing Jesus is saying in verse 23 is when he says, is there not more to life than you being consumed about whether you're going to have your basic needs met? Isn't there more to being alive than that? In other words, Jesus is saying, isn't it true that when you and I are gripped by anxiety and worry and care and we're stressed out all the time and we're tied up in knots, that we can't really enjoy life or experience life to the fullest? We can't. We're missing out on the abundant life that Jesus came to give us if we are gripped with anxiety and fear and worry. We, we can't really live life. In fact, for many people, life be, uh, fear and worry becomes very paralyzing. Their whole life becomes dominated and defined by their worry and by their anxiety. Everything in their life has to revolve around that. How do I manage it today? Where do I, how do I get through this? I mean, literally, it's a struggle to get through every day when it's got that kind of a grip on you. And Jesus is saying, is that the kind of life you think I want for you? No. And again, if that's not the kind of life that God envisions for his people, then God will make sure that we don't have to live that way. I, th I think that's one of the things that's like the light bulb went on one day with me years ago as God began to deal with me about this. And I, 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 I was like, again, looking in the mirror going, I don't have to do this. So why am I living this way? If God is telling me there's a better life for me, then why am I allowing this to have such a hold and a grip on me? It doesn't have to be that way. And any of us who've ever struggled with this, again, understands we're missing out. When, when, we, when we have that, that kind of life, we are missing out on real life because we're not able to just really cut loose and live. You see, because we're so worried about all these different things. So that's why then Jesus says this next in verse 24. He says, I want you to stop the gerbil wheel long enough to take note and focus on something. And I, I want to direct your attention, Jesus says, to the birds. Specifically here, he uses ravens in the context. He said, I want you to consider the ravens. And by the way, that word consider means to take thought of. I think sometimes, too, part of why we struggle so much with a lot of things is because we are on such a fast-paced wheel as human beings that we don't have time to pause enough to really take thought of the things that actually can help our soul and heal our soul and feed our soul. And one of those things is Jesus says, take a look around you even in nature. He says, take a look at these birds that you see flying all around you. He says, those birds, they don't work. They don't earn a paycheck. He says, they don't sow or reap. They don't even have storehouses or barns. And yet he says, and yet your father, God feeds them every day. 
They don't go without a meal. They're, they're not out there, you know, dropping over because they can't get enough food. Who feeds them? Jesus says God does. God feeds the birds. And then at the end of verse 24, he says, how much more valuable are you to God than the birds? In a sense, Jesus arguing from the lesser to the greater. He's saying, look, if you took into consideration how well God takes care of a bird, a bird that doesn't have an eternal soul, yet a bird that was created by him, if you would just take thought for a minute about how much God cares for a bird and you are much more valuable to God, of much greater worth to God than a bird. So don't you think if God can take care of them that he can take care of you? So why are you so anxious? Why are you so worried? Look at the birds. Look at the birds. And then Jesus says this in verse 25 and 26. He says, and which one of you, by worrying, can add 60 minutes or an hour to your life? He goes on in verse 26 to say, if you can't even do such a little thing as add an hour to your life by worrying, then why worry about all of it or the rest of it? Verse 26. So you know what Jesus is saying? Do you realize, Jeff, that all that worrying you did, all that anxiety that filled your heart every day, that was futile and that was pointless? There it didn't accomplish anything. It didn't change anything. Why? Because most of the time, our worry and our anxiety and our fears and all this are about things that you and I cannot control. And we allow the what-ifs to start filling our heads. And Jesus is saying, you can't do anything about all that stuff, right? You don't have the power or authority like me to be able to change the equation. In fact... By worrying, by being stressed out and anxious all the time, you're actually lessening your life. Not only in the quality of your life, but let's face it, stress kills us. Worry, anxiety kills us. It totally takes over and, and, and destroys us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So Jesus is saying, you want to spend your life worrying? Then you're going to spend your life doing something that is absolutely pointless and futile because worrying doesn't change a thing. It only destroys us. It only saps us of the energy and, and uh, the wherewithal to be able to live life at the highest level. We can't live as God intends for us to live because we're always worried and anxious and stressed out about something. That we should be trusting and having confidence in God to deal with all the things that are way above our pay grade. The things that we don't have any power or authority to be able to change in our life no matter how much we think about it. All we're doing is just burning up what I call those emotional BTUs and sapping ourselves of energy and emotion and all of that to where we are absolutely drained and debilitated at the end of every day. And then Jesus goes back to nature. In verse 27, he says to his disciples, hey, besides the birds, look over there at that flower over there. 
said, do you ever consider and take thought of how beautiful that flower is? And he said, that flower, that flower never worked or spun a second to look like that. And he says, if your heavenly father, if God can clothe a flower that's sitting out there in the grassy field, if he can clothe that flower that well. Oh, by the way, then he goes on in the next verse to say, a flower or a, a piece of wild grass that is here one day and gone the next. He says, if God can clothe a flower that is here for such a short time like that, how much more will he clothe you, O people of little faith? Again, arguing from the lesser to the greater, saying, look at a flower. And yet God makes it so beautiful and, and, and designs it and clothes it in such beauty and color and all of that. And he says, but you're eternal. You're of much greater value and worth to God than that flower over there. Don't you think God will meet your needs and take care of you if he takes care of a flower? So, Verse 29, and you see that word, so, purpose statement. So, he says, do not be overly concerned about the basic necessities of life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Don't worry about any of these things and live your life as if you're suspended in midair, as if there's nothing or no one underneath you at all times. God is basically saying to all of us, I got you. You got to trust me. You got to have confidence in me that all these times you're worried and anxious about things that you can't control or that's out of your power and authority to be able to change or deal with. He's saying, that's when you have to understand I have got you. You're under the everlasting arms of God, as we talked about on Wednesday night. You don't need to worry or be anxious about any of this stuff at all. Just Turn it over to me and start living. Instead of all that energy and effort and everything into worrying and being anxious, don't. Let me heal you of that. Let me deliver you of that. Start dialing into my voice alone above all other voices and listen to what I'm telling you. I love you. I'm here and I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'm going to take care of you. I will meet your need. I will make sure that you have your needs. Now, again, sometimes we have a problem between our wants and our needs. And according to God, we don't need as much as we think we need, which is why then Jesus goes on in verse 30 to say, you know, part of the problem and why this goes back even to the context of last week about covetousness is because Jesus here is also teaching us about the cure for covetousness, not just answering the question about a cure for anxiety. Because notice what he says in verse 30. He says, I don't want you to worry about these things. For all these things that you worry about as a Christian, as a follower of me, these are the things that people all over the world who don't even know me, these are the things that they pursue. These are the things that they seek after. These are the things that they crave and wish for and desire and consume their thoughts with every day. He says, and when you and I consume our life with worldly things, 
as we talked about last week, temporal things, physical things, material things that we can't take with us into eternity because we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. And yet many times we are living for stuff. We're living for physical things more than we are eternal things. Jesus says when we're consumed about these things, then we're missing out on what God really wants to give us, which are the eternal things, the things of the kingdom. That's why Jesus goes on in verse 31 to say, instead of or in contrast to all these other people in the world, he said, why don't you make your passion and your priority seeking and pursuing the kingdom of God? Because notice what he goes on to say. Then God will add and give you all these things anyway. He's going to meet your needs. Oh, by the way, in verse 30, he also makes this statement. He says, doesn't your father in heaven already know what you need? He is fully aware of what you need. It's not like he's lost you up there and like, oh, I forgot Jeff didn't get a meal today. No. I mean, think about this in the context of even us. Those of you here today who are parents, would you do anything in your power to make sure your children didn't starve to death? didn't have clothes on their back. I mean, didn't have the basic necessity. I mean, you, you and I, we are sinful, human, frail, finite creatures. And yet none of us as parents, as grandparents, would ever think about not making sure that our children and grandchildren didn't have enough food to eat or enough. And God is saying... If you all can do that, how much better do you think I can do that for you? You don't give me enough credit, God's saying. You have a very low view of your God. So I'm telling you, you put me first in your life. You make me the passion and pursuit of your life. And all those other things that you worry about, they'll just fall right into place. And you won't have to live all worried and anxious about all of those things. In fact, in verse 32, I love this. If you don't underline anything else in your Bible or whatever, I would underline this. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. By the way, doesn't that bring in that whole sheep, shepherd, sheepfold thing? Do not be afraid, little flock, because your father is well pleased or takes great pleasure in giving you what? The kingdom. So notice what he says then in verse 33. Basically, invest in eternity. Lay up treasure in heaven. A treasure that never decreases, verse 33, because where your treasure is, that is what is of greatest value and worth to us, is where our heart will be also, because our heart always follows our treasure. You know that. Our heart always follows our treasure. You and I always can pick out what is most important in each of our lives because that's where our heart goes. So Jesus is saying, if you would truly not only hear my voice, but trust and have confidence in my voice and follow my voice and then make your passion the primary pursuit of your life, me and the things of my kingdom, 
then you would begin to see that the things that you are always stressed and anxious and worried about would start to melt away because you would be so consumed and captivated by me and and by my kingdom and what I want to place into your hands that all these other things that you think are a big deal all of a sudden won't become such a big deal anymore and the, the big prize will be what it should be, which is your relationship with me. See, I want you to go back to verse 32 for just a moment. I want you to see this in a little bit maybe different light than maybe you've ever looked at this phrase before. The problem isn't that we want too much. The problem with us many times is we are satisfied with too little. We are settling for much less, even as Christians, than what God wants to give us and place into our hands. God wants to give us the kingdom. We want a car. God wants to give us the kingdom. We want a bigger house. God wants to give us the kingdom. We want a new iPhone. God wants to give us the kingdom. And I'm not saying that those things are wrong in and of themselves. I'm just saying that so often we are so focused and consumed on these physical, material, and worldly things that we can't take with us anyway that we're missing out on the true riches of his kingdom. God wants to give us the kingdom. And we don't have room for that because our minds are consumed with all these worldly, physical, and temporal, including, including, can I say, our own earthly life and health. We are consumed with it. I mean, look back a couple years. The world was gripped in fear, holding on to their earthly life as if that was the most important thing. No, it's not. It's whether you have a relationship with God and where you're going to spend eternity that's the most important thing. Because one day, I don't care whether it's COVID or whatever it is, cancer, heart disease, whatever, every last one of us in this room is going to pass into eternity. And it's coming, my friends. And so this earthly life isn't the end-all, be-all, as many people live it and think it is. And that's why Jesus said, you're seeking to save your life. Well, you're actually going to lose it if you try to hold on to it. You know who the people are that really enjoy this life and life on earth are the people who've let go of this earth. You know the old saying, you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. Well, you know what? Jesus would totally disagree with that. Jesus would actually say just the opposite. Some people are so earthly-minded, they're no heavenly good because they've got their minds so much on earth, worldly things that they can't connect with heaven enough to really be able to live on earth the way God intended for us to live while we're here for such a short time because we're focused on the wrong stuff. Jesus says, let your life go. Let your, I got you. The day you're going to die was determined before you were ever born. Don't worry about your life and your health and all of that stuff. Let it go and trust me for it and really begin to live. I want to give you the kingdom. Set your sights higher, God say. Set your sights higher. We're satisfied with too little, not too much. God wants to give us the kingdom. And he says, the Father is well pleased to give it to you. It does nothing more to please the heart of God than to give us the true riches 
The problem is we're so, so often so consumed with the earthly stuff that we don't have room in our life and in our hands for what God really wants to give us. Do not worry. Do not worry. People of little faith, trust and have confidence in the voice of God today. God wants to free you today from that life. And that can begin today or continue today. Will you allow God to do what God alone can do? Again, I stand before you today as one that was completely healed and delivered from that kind of life. If God can do that for me, he can do that for anyone. And that's what I want to spend the rest of my life doing, is giving purpose to those years of my life. Nothing that we ever live through is wasted with God. And so I want to encourage you, let the God who healed me and delivered me be the God who can heal and deliver you. I'm going to ask Nicole and the worship team to come and get set here on the platform. And here's what I'm going to do today. I want to call us out, and I'm going to be right down here with you. If there are those of you that you just want me to pray with you or have a moment with you this morning over this, I, I would love to, because <laughs> I get you. If you're suffering from panic attacks and, and your life is all about worry and anxiety, you, I get you. I know what you're feeling and what goes through your head and, and what you're dealing with, because I've been there. This isn't some preacher up here, you know, preaching at you. This is someone that's a fellow brother in Christ who wants to help you and wants to point you to the God who healed and delivered me and give you the encouragement that if he can do it to me, he can do it with you too. So would you stand? We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you that th this song that we are singing in closing, this is not just a declaration today. This is a celebration. This is, we, we, are so, we are so celebrating our God and what God can do that I'm going to begin to celebrate today my day of healing and deliverance. It's going to begin today in me. And God is going to be able to start healing my heart and mind and giving me that peace that passes all understanding. And I'm not going to live that way anymore. That's what this is all about today. Father God, we pray that your spirit would fall in this place today and that God, you would just... Deliver and heal us, Lord, from the anxieties and the worries of life and the cares of life. God, would you help our hearts not to be troubled and weighed down with care? Would you help us, Lord, even though we live in a world of fear and hopelessness and, and worry and anxiety, God, help us to live and rise above it through you. Help us not to be influenced by, by those around us, but help us, Lord, to help them and to encourage them and to point them to the God who can heal and deliver, God. And I pray that you would do a work in our midst today, even those in homes today, God, because we know that they 
don't have to be present here. God, you can heal anybody, anytime, anywhere of anything. That's how great you are. So God, as our amazing God today, as we lift you up in praise, as we extol you in worship today, God, would all of us truly believe in our hearts and our minds today, God, that you are more than enough for us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.